When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good morning to you and my thanks to uh, John Paul for sitting in for me last week and I heard a lot of the programme and he had a busy, busy show, show uh, for sure. He's back taking your calls uh, today at 1850-333-103 and you can text or WhatsApp me as well here into the studio 0862-103-103. So I kind of had one of those weeks off. Marsha's workshop uh, was closed for kind of a midterm break uh, so it was as easy to be off at home with her uh, so it was kind of one of those I, I'd love to say it was a relaxing week but we know when you're sitting at home you see all the jobs that you mean to catch up on and cupboards that you meant to clean out and it's always good to do it I think in the lead up to Christmas and uh, clear out the junk I did many I did many, it wasn't all junk so I'm going to say because I had many trips uh, to the charity shop with it and there's something fantastic when you've got a cupboard cleared out there's something one the next time you go and you open it it's almost like I wanted to there's one particular cupboard you know the one that we all have that really needs to be cleared out and stuff filed away and all of that and I spent a good morning I have to say whilst listening to John Paul on the radio clearing out that cupboard and I was hoping somebody would call and I would just leave the cupboard doors open so that people would notice oh what a tidy cupboard you have even though nobody ever comes in and opens the cupboard and go oh what a tidy cupboard uh, you have so it was a nice uh, week where as I say I, I managed to catch up on a lot of things so one thing though I did know was traffic last week. And normally when the children are off school and there's any kind of a break, the traffic has a tendency to ease. But every time I seem to get in the car and turn on the radio, there seem to be reports of traffic delays. Uh, Halloween itself, the Thursday the 31st, seemed to be absolute bedlam every, everywhere. And I heard of one friend of mine who had decided, she lives in the, the outskirts of the city, she decided to drive into the city to pick up her husband to bring him home so that he could spend the evening with the smallies for Halloween. And normally he gets public transport and he could be late coming home. And she just got caught up in, there seemed to have been some minor enough incidents in and around the city, but they just caused absolute traffic gridlock and a journey that would normally take her 20 minutes in and 20 minutes back out took her the bones of three hours and by the time they got home all they could do was put the children to their pyjamas and put them to bed. Everybody missed Halloween because of it so it seemed to be very much like that uh, and I know I got caught a few times particularly in Mallow because the northbound lane of Mallow Bridge was closed all last week. Now 
the contractors got down and dirty and they got got really stuck into the work and the weather wasn't great for it but I mean I know certainly I came over the bridge yesterday and it certainly looked like all of the work had been completed even though the northbound lane was still closed. I'm assuming this morning it's back up and running. If anyone can tell us if you've driven over the bridge, is it back up and running and is everything going according to plan again? But that certainly was causing delays in and around Mallow. And then I suppose with the the hour, the clock turning, you had the darker evenings and as I said, the weather wasn't great last week and it just kind of made it miserable and dreary if you were driving anywhere. Let's hope for a bit of better weather this week and the children all back to school and let's hope the traffic just eases up uh, a little bit. 1850 Kathleen in Glengariff has been on uh, to us to say that her husband lost his wallet yesterday. He was attending the half eleven mass in Glengariff. So he took some money out on the way into church. I'm assuming maybe there was some kind of a collection. You know, you, you very rarely go into mass now that there isn't some worthwhile cause at the church gate doing a collection. So he took some money out and obviously put it into the collection on the way in. So he may have dropped the wallet on the way into the church or maybe you know, at some stage during the Mass when you're kneeling up and sitting down and standing, maybe it fell out of his pocket and he lost it somewhere in the church. I'm assuming he went back in and took a look at the church and there's no sign of the wallet there. The hope now is that somebody else picked up his wallet. The as I don't know if there's much money or if there's any money inside in the wallet, but what's in the wallet that's of huge sentimental value to Kathleen's husband are two memorial cards his mother and his father's memorial cards. So he dearly wants to have that wallet returned and there is a reward offered. And you can contact us here at C103 for uh, further uh, details. Uh, 1850 333 uh, John Paul, if you want to give him a buzz, if you found that wallet or you heard of somebody who was at Mass yesterday who found that uh, wallet. Um, just let me check with John Paul. That's just for a readout, is it? Is that a readout? It is. Yeah, OK. Um, and I'm really saddened to hear this, but it's a cancellation, but it's the cancellation due to the death of uh, Dr. Dennis uh, Cotter. And uh, due to Dennis passing away, Dr. Paul O'Sullivan will not be able to join us as... Oh, sorry, he was joining... Sorry, sorry, I now realise why why he's come up and read. OK, uh, th- there was an interview we, we were uh, meant to be doing. But can I just say, we've, we've just heard as we came on air, I didn't know if we were to announce it uh, or not, but... Um, we just heard that Dr. Dennis Cotter from Bantry has uh, passed away and uh, Dennis would have been well known in the Bantry Bearer area. And he joined us many, many occasions, not to talk medical, but to talk about uh, issues affecting in particular Bantry. And he was big into pushing rural areas and doing everything that he possibly could to keep the heart of rural Ireland going and, you know, trying to encourage businesses to open up in towns and trying to encourage people to support businesses. I mean, he was just such a fantastic advocate for living in rural Ireland. And it's an issue that we were going to be dealing with this morning because I was hoping to speak with Dr. Paul O'Sullivan who was going to talk to us about the problems that they're having with with South Dock in rural areas. And it's it was all, I suppose, all it's tied in with this whole thing of trying to get doctors to come and live and work in rural areas. 
you know, I suppose people see it as for whatever reason, people, younger doctors don't want to live in rural areas, even though if you would speak to doctors who have spent all of their lives living in, in rural towns, they would talk about you know, the great quality of life they had and that their children had. It can be tough at times, particularly when we don't have enough doctors. And that's what's happening with GP practices. We don't have enough young GPs wanting to come into the rural areas. And that's putting a huge huge amount of pressure then on the older doctors. The likes of uh, Dr Dennis Cotter, he would have worked every hour that God sends to make sure that his patients would have been looked after. But he just had a real love of West Cork and a belief that it was a great place to live and work. And he wanted, he he never wanted to see anything that could harm the centre of a town or a village. And that's why, you know, he I would have spoken to him, I remember speaking to him before when he was talking about out of town shopping centres and supermarkets opening. And while he welcomed them opening, he was always fearful that the town, the main thoroughfare of the town would be affected and he would be a great man if I brought him on to talk about now that we're into the rush for Christmas even though some would say it's a bit too early Patricia it's only the beginning of November but you can already see you know the shops have all of their Christmas stock in and shops are starting to decorate for Christmas and people like myself who get organised early out already buying uh, Christmas presents but it's to do your bit to spend your money locally if you live in a town or a village try to do and I know it's not possible to do all of your Christmas shopping in the town or the village where you live, but try where you can. If you can buy an item locally, buy it locally rather than buying it online or rather than heading into the city. And there's nothing wrong with going to the city, doing your shopping as well. But, you know, spread the love, whatever bit of money you are spending for Christmas try and spread, try and pass out as much of that as you can locally because it's those local shops who will be there in the bleak January and, you know, the months of the new year when you need to just pop to the corner shop to buy yourself a bottle of milk. You're not going to be able to get that bottle of milk online. The corner shop will be there for you. So if you spot something that's in the corner shop that you could buy online, but you could buy it in the corner shop, buy it in the corner shop uh, instead. But can I pass on my deepest, deepest sympathies to all of the Cotter family. I had heard that Dennis uh, wasn't well and it is with deep, deep sympathy that we hear the news this morning of the passing of uh, Dr Dennis Cotter in uh, Bantry. May he rest uh, in peace. So as I say, we won't be doing our piece about uh, South Dock. We'll, we'll push it forward to later on this week or maybe into next week because it's an issue unfortunately that's not going away so we, we'll talk about it on another date. What we will be talking about today though is why Cork City needs mobility hubs. Now we'll find out a little bit more as to what exactly mobility hubs uh, are uh, but it's to try to get people out of their cars. Again I was just talking about the gridlock that was there last week particularly the gridlock in and around the city and a lot of that would have been people commuting to to and from work. How do we encourage people if they have to use the cars, not to use the cars going the whole way into the city? Is that is that where a mobility hub would kick in? And would people be willing to give up the cars if they had reliable bus or train services uh, where they knew they were going to get a seat, for example, and where it was reliable enough and there was enough buses on that would work with the times that you need to go to work and again come home from work. A listener will be highlighting a problem that he has seen with early morning flights out of Cork Airport. Any of us that have the luxury of flying in and out of Cork Airport, we all sing its praises. It's just 
the most fantastic airport. There's never too many queues. The staff there are just amazing. I saw a gorgeous tweet over the weekend of somebody who was leaving Cork Airport. They were heading back overseas somewhere and they were just saying, would the staff at Cork Airport stop being so nice that it was making leaving home heading back after a weekend, it was making leaving home even more difficult and they were just singing the praises of the wonderful, wonderful staff at Cork Airport and it's just, and it's always lovely and relaxed, probably because it's not too busy. I mean, you you put, you you look at Cork Airport versus Dublin Airport and I'm not in any way knocking Dublin Airport but it's one of the airports that I have to say I hate when I'm forced to travel in and out of Dublin Airport and sometimes you've got no choice because of flights and connections or whatever, you have to go in and out of Dublin Airport. But it's just the busyness of it. It's just, and you kind of look at, and it's great. I mean, it's obviously great for Dublin that they've all of these flights, but you kind of think, come on, the DAA, can you not push a business Cork way? Why are you forcing so many people from the south to have to travel uh, to Dublin to get on a flight? Can you not put more of those flights out of Cork? So anytime we hear that there's change to flight times or that maybe they're not putting on as many flights as they had been out of Cork. It always raises alarm bells with me. So we'll speak with this uh, gentleman, this uh, one of our listeners who has highlighted a, a concern that he has. We're also going to go to West Cork to Lichine's house, the wonderful suicide prevention group that's been established a number of years ago in West Cork. Uh, they have just opened a new charity used furniture store. So we'll find out a little bit more about that. You might be able to bag a bargain but also if you have some furniture that you're no longer using or maybe coming up to Christmas you might be planning on buying a new sofa new three piece suite uh, maybe new tables and chairs for the kitchen. There's nothing really wrong with the ones you have but you're just kind of a bit fed up with them but maybe some other household could get some use out of them and at the same time some Badly needed funds could be raised for Lichine's house. So we'll give you all the details of that later on on the programme today. And it is Monday, so always on a Monday. We always, after half past 12, have a busy session with Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic, our nutritional therapist, answering all of your nutritional questions. Thank you to Mary for sending in a text to say to say we had a great night last night with John Paul. He was on for Tim Coughlin. It was a brilliant show. Take a bow. John Paul I will pass on your good wishes Mary uh, thank you for that and actually talking of good wishes I guess well um, John Paul was filling in for, for Tim Coughlin who's a bit under the weather at the moment so we send best wishes to our own Tim Coughlin as well and thank you to a couple of listeners whatsapping and texting to say that the Mallow Bridge northbound is open thank God they got the work done in and out as they promised to do while the mid-term break was on so that is good news Sporting Weekend Michael wants to raise on WhatsApp says Patricia What a historical weekend just gone by. A World Cup final, World Boxing Champion and a qualifier for the Olympics in 2020. It was a historic moment for the Springboks with the highest trophy in the sport of rugby. The World Cup being lifted by the team's first ever black captain. Yeah, that wasn't lost on me. I thought that was such a moment as well. Uh, they were brilliant from start to finish, says Michael. Their scrum was dominant. They were huge in the tackle and they scored two outstanding tries. It was a complete performance. It was such a healing day for South Africa. When you understand the toxicity that existed in that country and the poverty that their captain came from to where he is today, I sincerely hope that he will be an excellent server of Nelson Mandela's vision. With all the different backgrounds on that team, it just goes to show how much can be done 
when we all work together. They are inspirational for us all. Then Katie Taylor, what more can be said? Only praise her to the highest possible point. What an outstanding lady in her field of sports. She is Ireland's outstanding ambassador. She's never put a foot wrong and she will go far. What a shame our national TV broadcaster couldn't or wouldn't even have the courtesy of showing her match live or even an hour later. She deserves better than that. And then, my God, our hockey ladies. What two nights of gripping, nail-biting performances they gave that will never be forgotten. Every good luck to them in Tokyo in 2020. Thanking you, says uh, Michael. Yeah, I was thinking this morning when I was thinking about the various sporting events they were the main three to me there was going to be certainly the highlights from the weekend and it was all about the ladies and of course you couldn't forget what South Africa had achieved as well so well done Michael you've summed it up beautifully for me in that WhatsApp as for the Katie Taylor match RTE not couldn't or wouldn't I imagine now John Paul would know more about the sporting side of things than I do but I imagine there would be a huge cost involved in putting on a match like that that RT simply couldn't afford would I be, would I be right uh, on that I'm, I'm assuming I would but she is a great advocate for the sport having said that though if it even if it had been broadcast I can't watch boxing in particular I can't watch girls boxing I just I, I, I know listen that's not taking from the great the great sports women that they are and the amount of training and the dedication but even watching her interviews afterwards you know the, the clips I saw in the news and her eyes so swollen oh my god I just I find that really difficult and if if I was a parent watching your child inside in the ring it must be one of the most difficult things for a parent to watch a much to love son or daughter enter a boxing ring or those or that cage fighting. I no, I just I wouldn't be strong enough. But well done to Katie Taylor and the girls on the hockey team. I played hockey at school and it's a, a sport that doesn't get a, a lot of attention uh, really. It's a terrific sport. It's a fast sport and it's a sport that you want good shins for. I tell you, God, there was many a day we played, we would come from Clonmel, we were Loretto Convent in Clonmel and we'd play against the Loretto Convent in Formoy, the girls there. And you'd go home battered and brood, bruised, but you loved your day out and you loved when they came up and played as well. It's a, it's a terrific fast sport to watch. So well done to the Irish hockey team who have now qualified and we do, we agree with Michael, we wish them the best of luck when they head to Tokyo in next year 2020. Now who was on to me? Charlene Whelan was on to say. Uh, I was in, at the Johalo Nemo game last weekend at Porky Rin and the toilets were in such a bad state. The smell of urine says Charlie was unreal and then the hand dryer wasn't working either and this obviously was the gents toilets he doesn't know what it was like in the ladies toilets but the gents toilets and there is nothing more off-putting when you walk into a toilet than to get that strong smell, that strong stench of urine. It's just, it's one of the reasons I think people steer so clear of public toilets and why public toilets, so many of them have been closed over the years because I think the council never had the staff are the money to be able to get in there and clean them regularly. And unfortunately, when you have 
I don't know why it is, but when you have members of the public using toilets that they don't have to clean themselves or no other person in the house has to clean them, they seem to think that they can just pee wherever they want to pee. I mean, to get that strong smell of urine from a toilet leads me to believe that most of the urine is probably on the floor, is it? It's just absolutely disgusting. I, I can't understand it. But anyway, this happened at Porky Rin last weekend. Anybody else there? The Duhalo Nemo game. The toilets unreal for the gents. I'd love to know if they were like that for the gents. What were they like for the ladies? And normally at Porky Rin, what are the standards of the toilets like? Are there, you know, the GAA, people paid to get into those matches. I'm assuming they've got paid at toilet attendants, do they? Who will go in and clean them up and look after them? Or are they only, are they cleaned before a match and then cleaned after a match? And if that be the case, God help whoever has to go in and clean up the toilet, judging by the way Charlie is describing the smell and how bad it uh, was. So if anybody can throw further light on that, and I'd like to know what were the ladies' toilets like at Porky Rin for the Johalo Nemo match. But talking of toilets... All of the papers today are picking up on the fact that a new secondary school in Limerick are going to have gender neutral toilets fitted and they're going to fit them on each of the three floors of the school. It's the Limerick Educate Together. It's a brand new secondary school and the facilities will be installed before the school opens and the school is due to open in September of 2021. It's a new build in Castle Troy. There'll be a thousand uh, students and the principal has confirmed the introduction of these gender neutral toilets. They're known as universal toilets. He says what you will have is standalone cubicles and the only part of the students' toilets which are communal are the wash basins. Parents might ask how you supervise boys and girls entering the same toilet block but he said you, you but you set up where the wash basins are back to back and there's a screen visible from the corridor and they're doing it for students who identify differently from the point of view of gender. He said, principal said, it's very much part and parcel of the school and reflective of the society in which we live. What we push on our students is acceptance. Accept them for who they are without drawing particular attention to any aspect or any issue. And that obviously is going to include their uh, gender. And they're not the first school to do this because earlier this year, St. Bridget's National School, this is in Greystones, they confirmed that they were phased, completely phasing out boys and girls' toilets in favour of these gender-neutral facilities. Now, five soon-to-be-built secondary schools have also requested permission from the Department of Education to introduce such facilities. So I didn't realise that if they, if schools want to go down this route of having gender-neutral toilets, they must seek the permission from the Department of Education. Is that the way forward? Is that the way it is going to be from now on? There's going to be no judgment on children if a child, a little boy identifies as a girl or a little girl identifies as a boy. They shouldn't be made to feel any different when they want to go to the toilet in school. So therefore, gender neutral toilets, everybody enters the one block and you use then whatever cubicle you most see is fitting to you. Your views welcomed on that. Can you see more gender neutral toilets? Is it the way to go? Or as a parent, would you be against the idea of boys and girls? And this is a secondary school. This is going to be a thousand secondary school students in the one in uh, Limerick. Would you feel comfortable, as the parents say, of a daughter having your daughter go into a toilet where there's boys? How do 
the parents of the boys feel about the toilets being a mixture for both males and uh, female students. Your thoughts welcome to resist just as the principal said, this is the sign of the times. This is the way this is very much part and parcel of life today and they want to be welcoming and inclusive of all. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 and the the issue of the Katie Taylor fight and uh, Michael was saying felt it was disgraceful that RTE didn't show it. National broadcaster here we're having you know a world champion whole country proud of her and it wasn't shown on the national uh, broadcaster. The fight was shown on Sky Sports. Um, the reason that RTE couldn't show the fight was due to a rights issue. Sky have the rights to show it so therefore RTE wouldn't be allowed to show it or wouldn't be allowed to even show it an hour later as it also been uh, suggested and uh, Sky would have paid a lot of money for the rights uh, to that uh, match but RTE did have a reporter at the fight. 1850 Now, moving on to a different topic, Cork City Council are working on mobility hubs, which will encourage people to use more than one mode of transport to get to and from the city. Green Party Councillor Oliver Moore hopes Glanmire will be considered for one such hub, and uh, he joins me. Good morning, to you, Oliver. I'm very well and and you're welcome to the programme. I suppose start by outlining how and what a mobility hub is and how it works. It's not entirely a a new concept, but I suppose it's something when you put a word on something, uh, it suddenly becomes a a, a thing to think about a bit more seriously. So we all know what a a park and ride is. Um, So there's park and ride down the path. In the, in the Black Ash and there will be plans for more on the north side of the city. So that's where you would drive towards town and, and then use catch a bus to actually bring it to the city centre. Uh, a mobility hub then would be located, I suppose, in, in, in smaller towns, either, you know, potentially rural towns in, in, the, in the county uh, or suburbs around the city. And they would do more than just have a bus that goes into the city centre. So the, the idea would be Take a place like Glenmire. Uh, maybe you, you live in the hinterland around Glenmire. Uh, you could either drive to Glenmire uh, or if you if you live closer, you could cycle in. Um, and then at these mobility hubs, there will be car parking, there will be secure bike parking. And from there, then you could either switch to uh, taking the bus into the city centre. Uh, it will be a taxi rank. There might be car sharing facilities there could be places where people organise carpooling from. So the idea would be that there would be this location uh, in either suburbs around the city or potentially, like I said, rural towns in the county where people could use their private cars or use a bicycle to to do the first leg of their journey and then 
complete the rest of their journey using some other mode of transport. Because, and I started the programme this morning by talking about the amount of gridlock that seemed to be around last week in particular for some reason, even though we had all the schools closed, but there was just so many reports of people stuck in traffic for hours on end and we get a lot of the gridlock in the mornings and in the evenings, various parts of the city and indeed across the county. Could you see a lot of people getting out of their cars for part of the journey? And, and, well, that's, that's certainly one angle to it. Uh, so the, the idea, suppose, from that is that you would have a lot of people, taking Glenmire again now as, as an example, or say Blarney or some, some, somewhere like that, where you know, getting to Blarney or Glenmire wouldn't be too difficult in the car. But then after that, you start hitting the gridlock. Mm. Uh, so the idea would be that you could use your private car to bring yourself that part of the journey. And then uh, if, if you switched in over to public transport and enough people followed your suit, then that would start alleviating the, the traffic gridlock as they're coming into the city. Um, yeah, and I think the car sharing, I mean, the one thing that always frustrates me when, when I'm looking out at traffic morning and evening time, the amount of people on their own in their cars. Exactly. Uh, this was actually something brought up to me by a few people in Glamour, particularly people who live um, in France. That are, seemingly in France, there's quite a strong culture of, of carpooling like this and that you would have... In, in places like Landmire or Blarney or Caroline, you'd have a lot of people who would be using apps to coordinate between themselves. Because what, what actually turned out is everyone's actually going in the same direction. In the mm. end. Uh, so if, if you can coordinate people well enough that, look, I'll meet you at this, at this location, this mobility hub at a certain time, and we'll, we'll go in together. And that's the, that's the key to it. But as you say, exactly. a, an app could be easily devised for that. Yeah. Very easily done, and like they have it, like I said, in, in other countries. It was particularly people, people in Glanmire from other countries who, who were saying this to me that it, it's a thing which they would have had used at home, uh, and would be very surprised if something does like that doesn't exist in Ireland. Like I know of, of this kind of stuff. Like I know we're putting new names on it by calling them mobility hubs, but they're actually quite old-fashioned ideas. Yeah, we're not. You're, well, you're not reinventing the wheel uh, no, here. You're, but you're you, you mentioned the park and rides. Are yeah. they? A, do you deem them a success? Uh, the one look, Black Ash certainly is is, is a success. We we need more of them, um, and there is there is plans again sticking around the Glenmire area. There there is plans uh, in time for one uh, at Tivoli and potentially more on, on the north side. But for for uh, park and rides to work, there needs to be. Um, uh, very strong public transport links into the city and yeah. guaranteed guaranteed bus times. So you, you, That was going to be my next question. For all of this to work, don't you have to guarantee a reliable bus service? No, I, I, and that's why the mobility up is probably more achievable in, in, in the short term than a park and ride because particularly, say, suppose you had one here on the north side of the city, you, you'd get yourself to the park and ride, and the next thing you'd do, you'd get on the bus, and sure, you'd be stuck in, in, in traffic waiting on the bus as well. So in order to, to have the, the full park and ride into the city deliverable, you need to have that guaranteed journey time, which means taking cars off the road to, be, to begin with. Um, so as, as, as a step, and as a positive step in its own right, uh, these mobility hubs are a way that you can start thinning out the number of traffic and then over time, uh, once you've had that thinned out, then you can start bringing in the, the full, the full, the full flavour uh, of park and ride. 
Yeah, because whenever we bring up park and ride on the programme, and I can already see a couple of texts coming in on it, uh, saying what about a park and ride people from the North Cork area? There's no yeah. park and ride uh, for people who want to travel from North Cork, come into the city. They don't want to bring their cars all the way into the city and they've no other choice. But you, you, you do at, at the minute, um, you have quite a lot of people, again, sticking with just, just that kind of East Cork side of the city, uh, like you would have people who would drive to, and it is, a problem with it is expensive. You have people who would drive to, uh, say, Middleton train station or Pawn train station, and then get the get get the train in, um, and and that would be off this mobility hub type of thing that you, you would like. Me personally, I know I'm coming in the opposite direction. I'm going from the city, and I work in Little Island. Mm. Um, and for me, what I do, I I use this mixed mode of transport too on the train. So I would cycle down to the train station, bring my bike with me on the train, and then I pop out the other side of Little Island and I complete the rest of my journey uh, with my bike. So, in all weather conditions, it, oh, in, in, in most weather conditions, okay. I'd say. <laughs> um, I you know there, I, I'm not a complete purist. You know, it, it, it does depend on what I'm doing. Some days I, I do. I, today, for example, I took my car, but but I would say at least fifty percent of the time. Well done. This is what well I do. done. Well, well done. And how how hopeful are you of seeing these mobility hubs up and running? And when would you envisage them up and running? I I well, one of the reasons I I put forward a motion was because I wanted to test that water myself. And um, it's it is mentioned in uh, the draft Cork Metropolitan Area Transport Plan, and uh, that these mobility hubs will be a part of that. And I, I put in a motion at the last uh, meeting of council, or the previous meeting of council, uh, to see exactly how committed work for City Council to achieving this. Um, and I was very surprised with the depth of the response I got back um, and what the sense of commitment to it. So it, it isn't happening today or tomorrow, but I would see that, it, that there was my sense from the response would be that there was a very strong commitment to it in this uh, in this Cork Metropolitan Area Transport Plan. Um, so I would see in the next, look, you're talking 10, 20 years timescale, but that's the kind of timescale which we would also be talking about transforming the way the transport works. None, the none of these that. things, unfortunately, happen overnight. No, now, no, I've, no. I've been asked, well, I have you on the line to ask you about the, the private car ban on Pana, on Patrick Street. Yes. And were people saying that they're constantly seeing cars dri- driving, driving up and down Patrick Street? It's, uh, look, I... Uh, Maybe the only time I was ever seen as fully enforced was when I went down with a couple of my colleagues and some people from uh, Extinction Rebellion to uh, to actually enforce ourselves uh, in September during uh, on one Sunday during Car Free Day. It's not it's not being at all either obeyed or enforced. Um, and the guard they just turning a blind eye. They're yeah they are turning a blind eye. Well, look, in, in, in some respects. If, if you have a law, you would expect people to, to obey it. Like, if, if you're down to the Gordy enforcing it um, and enforcing it for everybody, then you're, you're into, a, into a losing battle to begin with. I, I, I think, I think that there's an obligation on people to, to, to obey the law in, in the first instance. And unfortunately, what's, what seems to be the case is, uh, it seems to be that some people don't give uh, a Monkeys. Monkeys. Exactly, yeah. Um, and then once they start driving down, well, other people start thinking. So that's what happens. When you spot if, one if car, we, we, we're, we're all guilty of that. You'll see one car. <laughs> sure, if that car's doing sure, I'll, I'll follow him in. And then yeah. suddenly before you know it, everybody's doing it. Yeah. Now, there are there are some things which I, I think make it, um, 
make it more 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 difficult to, to get the message out there and more difficult to, ch- to change the, the subject. I think only doing it from, from 3 o'clock to, to half past 6, I think, is a problem because like that's not even half a day. Um, and I, I think if it, if it began earlier, if it, be, if it began noon, then you, you could start betting in the idea, look, Patrick Street is not a place you go driving with or driving down. I think also it, it begins uh, maybe 50 metres too late. It actually, that when you're coming down Washington Street, you can actually turn left there uh, and go through Court Market Street. And once you take that first step onto Patrick Street, well, you feel like it's it's open season anyway. So I think bringing it forward all the way uh, to the junction with with uh, Washington Street would would help as well. Just hammer home this point: that Patrick Street is not a place to go driving. Okay, um, they, they need to go back to the drawing board and sort yeah. something out because it doesn't seem to be working at the moment for sure. Oliver, yeah. we leave it there. Listen, thank you for that. Enjoyed our chat. Thanks for joining Thanks us. Thanks so much, Richard. Uh, good morning to you. That is Green Party Cork City Councillor uh, Oliver Moore in 1850 And somebody, when we're talking about park and ride, uh, says, Patricia, we've got a park and ride near the Kingsley Hotel. And obviously that's from somebody who uses that uh, fairly regularly. If you get a good park and ride and it works and they work really well uh, and it's a great way. Just park up and then you go off and you do your business and come back and your car's waiting for you. Charlie says when we were talking about a park and ride, says they were, they were meant to build a park and ride at the, uh, the location called Tinker's Cross. It is near Mayfield. But that never went ahead. It is badly needed for those who are travelling from the North Cork area and would like to use the services of a park and ride. But sadly, it doesn't exist. I remember that. I remember the one for Tinker's Cross. There was huge talk about it and lots of people were very excited about it. I don't know why it never went ahead. But now that it's back on the agenda again with these mobility hubs, maybe we'll get uh, park and rides for the north side of the city. 1850 John Paul is taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. We're going to take a break. You can see a lot of calls and commentary coming in, particularly on commuting to and from work and traffic congestion. People are just getting out to try to do to do anything and they get caught in big uh, Back to, uh, backlog of uh, traffic and the frustration that that leads to. So I'll get to your calls and we'll also hear from a listener who wants to highlight a problem he's seeing with early morning flights out of Cork Airport. It's all to come after News 11. Nick Richards plays Cork's greatest hits for your workday on C103. Madonna, Prince, Toto, I play them all. Plus a brain twister to wreck your head and a Facebook question of the day. Like, what's the weirdest thing you ever ate? Crocodile, I suppose. You've eaten crocodile? A bit of crocodile, yeah. Wow, I am impressed. Weekdays from one. Playing Cork's greatest hits while you work. Nick Richards. Weekdays from one. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some of your thoughts uh, coming in on traffic. Katie and Cladove says at the end of the Ballancolic bypass, morning and evening, there are delays with long queues at the end of the bypass heading to McCroom. Infrastructure is what is needed here in Cork, says uh, Katie. And another listener says the Cork to Mallow Road is congested no matter what time of the day you decide to drive on it. Unless it's very late at night, you're guaranteed you're going to be stuck in a line of traffic from one side of Mallow almost straight straight through to a Blackpool. And I don't know if that's a sign of the upturn in the economy, because certainly in the downturn in the economy, there wasn't as many cars on that road. But with the upturn in the economy and more and more people commuting, and then you've got the added problem that people who work in the city might be able to afford to buy 
buy in the city so they're forced to buy out in commuter towns like Mallow or further afield and of course that just adds to people then have to get on the road in order to drive to work and when you're talking about that particular route into Cork it's the very side of the city we're talking about that there isn't a parking uh, ride so that just adds uh, to the problem. Brian in Farron reckons one possible solution to the gridlock in the morning from all different, no matter what road you're taking in and out of the city, there is gridlock and indeed in many of the larger urban towns as well. Brian says people are going to have to change their working hours a little bit, stagger the hours so that everybody isn't starting at the same time every day and that way we won't have this huge peak between 8 and 9 in the morning and then the same again in the evening between, what is it, about 5 and 7. Usually you get the rush hour a peak starting. I wonder how people would feel about that if we started to stagger the working hours. He was suggesting if some people started work at 11 and finished at 7. And again, it probably worked for some businesses. It wouldn't work for all businesses. Retail has a tendency to all start at uh, 9 o'clock. But offices, could offices look at that? Maybe staggering the hours that people work. It would be one possible uh, solution for sure. Thank you for that. That's from Brian in Farron. On the Patrick Street ban, the ban that's in operation for private cars between three in the afternoon and half past six and we raised it in the last hour because it does look like it's been absolutely and completely uh, ignored. A listener says, Patricia, are there signs at the end of Patrick Street warning of the ban? I see a lot of cars but they're from other counties ignoring the ban. Could it be that it's people visiting the city and they're not aware that the ban is uh, is in place? That could be. It could be some of the reason for some of the cars but you, you can't. There's certainly a lot of our own cars from Cork and people who are from Cork and people who know the ban is in place but because as Councillor Oliver Moran was saying once you see one car doing it that's all it takes and then oh sure I'll, this is the quickest way for me because obviously with the ban in place it does add extra journey time onto people who can't go up or down Patrick Street that they normally would have so I mean it is it is adding extra time to somebody's journey. So if people think they're going to get away with it and it looks like they are getting away away with it. I saw it was a city councillor tweeting about it yesterday saying, you know, is this ban in place at all? And I saw a number of people then on Twitter saying that it seems to be a daily occurrence. Uh, you know, every day there seems to be people breaking the ban. I mean, do we do the Gardaí need to, are the Gardaí turning a blind eye to it? Do they need to enforce it? Do the council need to properly enforce it. I don't know. Does that ban need to be looked at if it's not been enforced and people are breaching it and breaking it all the time? Do we need to scrap it and go back to basics again and go back and look at it again? Because I know certainly when the initial ban was put in place, the retailers and the shops on Patrick Street in the city centre were not in favour of that ban at all and their trade was being affected. I don't know what's happening now with it or business people happy or not 1850 but why have a ban in place if people are just completely uh, ignoring it Okay, other thoughts coming in on traffic and this, oh, this is on the mobility hubs that we spoke about and one of the ideas is that you would make your journey and you'd use one more than one mode of tra- transport you might say cycle and then park up the bike or take as Councillor Oliver Moran says he takes his bike with him. So he cycles to the train station, gets on the train, 
brings his bike with him and then gets off the train and then cycles the last bit of his uh, journey. Someone says, Patricia, if a lot of people decided to bring their bikes on trains, would that just not start another problem? Would we not have a bigger problem then there with all the people with their bikes on the train? And someone else asked the question, what happens if you put a bike on the train? Do you need extra carriages? And I I don't know why I've never taken a bicycle on the train with me. I have seen bicycles being put onto a special carriage. I'm assuming there's it's a cargo carriage, is it? Is there a charge for that? I don't know. Certainly it is the green way of doing things is to cycle as much as you can and bring your bike with you. You are able to put it, I don't know if it's on all trains, but certainly on certain trains you are allowed to bring it. If there's a cost, I don't know. But one listener just wondering, would it, if everybody decided to do it, would we have too many bikes on the trains? 1850-333-103. And I saw somebody else text in when I mentioned Mallow Bridge earlier. One of our good friends of the programme, Stephen, who listens to us across the border in County Kerry, says, Trish, I know it's not your job, but would you be able to tell me, please, the situation regarding the bridgeworks in Mallow? As I'm going up that way in a week or two, if I'm coming from the Fomoy side, can I still go down onto the bridge and turn right for Killarney, like I always do? Or is it closed? Sorry to bother you, says Stephen in County Kerry. Stephen, you never bother us with your texts. Uh, though the bridge is open and working, all routes, so you would have no problem at all. And even with the bridge closed, Closure. It was the northbound bridge. It wouldn't have affected you coming from Formoy and heading out over the park road and, uh, and on to Kerry. You would have been fine. But yeah, for your journey in a couple of weeks time, you will be OK. Nothing to worry about at all. We were talking about toilets and keeping toilets clean and the condition of this was brought this was brought to our attention by Charlie in Whelan, who was at the Dohalo Nemo game last week in Porky Rain and he said the toilets were in such a bad condition. The smell of urine, he said, was absolutely unreal. And the hand dryer wasn't even working. That was in the gents' toilets. I by the way I didn't get any think in from any females that were at that match to tell me what the female toilets were like but certainly the male toilets sound absolutely disgusting. Texter says Patricia, people who don't use public toilets properly in my opinion must be doing the same thing at home. See I find that hard to believe I really do. I mean I was making the point when I was talking about Charlie and the the toilet smelling of urine to me that's people who are just missing the the urinal and just peeing on the floor is is it that what it is somebody else is saying they need to use more jays fluids they're just not cleaning the toilets enough and i was making the point surely they don't do that at home anyway this listener reckons they must be still doing it at home and then I tied it in with these gender neutral toilets that are going to be introduced in some schools the Limerick Educate Together Secondary School they're putting in the gender neutral toilets and we already know that there is a school in Greystones in County Wicklow Wicklow, who are completely phasing out boys and girls toilets in favour of these universal toilets, toilets that boys and girls and uh, young people who are still trying to decide what gender they are. Everybody can use the toilets uh, by text. Boys and girls should have separate toilets at, at school, plain and simple. Somebody dead against the idea of having these gender neutral toilets. A WhatsApper says, I think if they bring these toilets into schools that there'll be a lot more bullying happening. I don't think it should happen. Bullying. I hadn't thought of bullying. Do people? Do would people see gender neutral toilets? That bullying would happen. 
if you're gender neutral. I don't know. That's a, a thought from one of our listeners. While Jenny says, Patricia, it's a neurological fact that the frontal lobe doesn't fully align and synchronise with the limbic system, which is the emotional part of your brain, until you're into your mid-twenties. Allowing children to make decisions regarding gender before they reach their mid-twenties will only end in tears, says Jenny, who sounds like somebody who really knows uh, what she's talking about when it comes to the parts of the brain and how you feel and where you're at, whether you're male, whether you identify as male, whether you identify as female and that whole gender uh, issue. But it's becoming it's becoming an issue that has been spoken about a lot more. And, you know, as the principal of the school in Limerick said, the one thing that they push in their school is acceptance, acceptance of all. And if they have young people in their school, young males who feel that they are female born in a male body or vice versa, they want acceptance. They want everyone to feel welcome in their school. And one way they feel of doing that is by having these gender neutral toilets. And I'm just throwing it out there saying, is this the way it's going to be into the future? Will it be in 30 years time? Whoever's sitting here doing this show, we won't, they won't even be talking about gender neutral toilets because every single toilet in every single school will be these universal toilets. There won't be any more divide between a male toilet and a female toilet. Tom is, thank you for your text, uh, 185333103. Tom wants to comment on the sports issue and why RTE, this is the Katie Taylor match, this came up uh, earlier. Somebody was just bemoaning the fact that our national broadcaster were not able to show Katie Taylor match and you know such a fantastic she's such a fantastic ambassador for sport in this country and it was a fantastic achievement and yet if you only had terrestrial TV you weren't able to see it. We just caught glimpses of it on the news. And then, as I explained, it was a rights issue. You had to pay for it. A lot of money changed hands. Sky had the rights and RT obviously couldn't afford it. Tom says, Patricia, what the hell are we paying a TV licence for? It makes no difference if it's a soccer match, a rugby match, a boxing match, horse racing that's going on an hour or two up the road. We're going to have to wait a couple of hours later and then all we'll get is an edited version of the highlights. It is a disgrace. What good is it? They've no problem showing Champions League football games two or three nights a week. But yes, when it's uh, some of our own in a particular sport, they seem to always have problems and we'll always come up with the issue. We don't have the money to do it. 1850 Now, Tim in Butterfant, and I really welcome others, other listeners' thoughts and comments on this, wants to raise the issue of Lisa Smith. Uh, Tim says, Patricia, uh, it is sickening to hear the army going out to bring what Tim describes as a terrorist and a traitor back to her country. I hope she gets the welcome she deserves. I have no problem with her child because it's not the child's fault. Would they do the same if it was a man? I'm sure not. I'm sure the Kurds would welcome her with open arms, says Tim in Bosvent. And Tim, of course, is speaking about the fact that the there it's been confirmed that there is a small number of defence forces personnel are assisting in what is now an ongoing operation that could see Lisa Smith and her child returned to uh, Ireland. Lisa Smith, of course, travelled to Syria three years ago, and she went to join the so-called 
Islamic State, uh, ISIS. Uh, it's understood that military personnel attached to the Ranger Wing of the army, they've been in the area along the Turkish-Syrian border for some time and that's where it's now believed Lisa Smith is. They're working in in support of a Department of Foreign Affairs initiative. So it isn't the Defence Forces wasn't sent out. It was the Department of Foreign Affairs have made this decision. And then they obviously then requested help from the Defence Forces. The personnel are believed to be there in a security advisory and escort capacity. That's obviously the escort capacity is to assist in bringing Lisa Smith and her child back to Ireland. That's if she agrees to do so. It's reported, or it was reported in the Sunday World yesterday. The members of the Irish Ranger Wing have been deployed to the region with the goal of repatriating Lisa Smith. It's understood that the breakthrough in the ongoing process of returning her to Ireland is not imminent. And there are a number of complications in her case. Now, we're not hearing what they are. Obviously, the Defence Forces are saying for operational reasons, it doesn't comment on the movements of the personnel. And that's very, very understandable. A spokesperson for the Tónishta, a Minister for Foreign Affairs, Simon Coveney, also said he can't comment on a consular case. And of course, everybody's gotten to know Lisa Smith and uh, we all know about uh, Lisa Smith. She had been a private in the Irish Defence Forces. She joined the army when she was uh, only 19 and of course then she went on to serve in the Air Corps and those photographs we've all seen of her was the time that she spent on the government jet and from there she then goes three years ago and decides to head to Syria and join the Islamic State. Anyway, that's what's happening at the moment. There has been confirmation that the Defence Force personnel are helping with this operation and it is members of the uh, Army Ranger Wing and we just hope they're all safe. I mean, I think more than anything, it's the safety of our Army personnel as well. Anyway, Tim reckons it's wrong that the Army shouldn't be doing it. He's sickened to hear it. And I suppose Tim's view is she's made her bed. She should lie on it. She was the one. She wasn't kidnapped. She wasn't forced to join ISIS. She did it of her own free will. And she went herself, went to Syria. Uh, and here she finds herself in the situation now. She now wants out because obviously the Islamic State no longer exists. The one thing I felt all along about Lisa Smith when she has done the interviews and Tim is right you know the the poor child is the innocent victim in all of this but if the Islamic State and this dream of ISIS had worked we wouldn't be hearing about Lisa Smith and she wouldn't want to come home and there would be no talks about her wanting to come home because she would be living her ISIS dream in the Islamic uh, State so you know do we take that into account or do we purely look at this from A humanitarian point of view, here is, at the end of the day, an Irish citizen who is living in what looks like desperate conditions in that refugee camp. And here is her little child, who's got to be, what, about two at the most, is it? Uh, Little boy or girl, I'm I'm unsure if it's a boy or girl anyway, but it's, it's a toddler who obviously has an Irish mother and therefore by birth is an Irish citizen. Does that child need to be protected? And obviously if the child needs to be protected, you know, we'd never want to separate a mother and a child. God knows we did too much of that in this country to want to start saying we'll go down that route again. So therefore, in order to protect the child and her mother, we do all that we can and we send out the army rangers who are out there and we 
back them up with whatever they need to be backed up with and we bring her back to this country and then when she comes back then what happens then? What? How will she be welcomed back? I mean Tim is saying the welcome she deserves obviously I don't think Tim would be welcoming her with uh, open arms but what happens when and if Lisa Smith decides Ireland is where she wants to be that's going to be I mean we can get her out of the situation she's in but that's not to say that she may want to return and live here permanently I suppose we'll have to wait and see when she gets back if she gets back but Tim is sickened to hear that it's taxpayers money is paying the army to bring her back and and they're putting themselves at risk as well so your thoughts welcomed on that 1850-333-103 and a quick happy birthday to Anna Bowen of the Elms in Mallow Shirley, Kate, Michelle and Timmy oh and I wish you the very best today happy birthday Anna C103 Jobs an experienced cleaner is wanted it's for general house cleaning and that's in the Fomoy area three hours every second week Plumbers, labourers and electricians are all wanted, while a beauty therapist is wanted for immediate start. That's in the Mallow area. And a receptionist wanted for a veterinary practice in North Cork. Experienced, preferred, but enthusiasm for the job is the most important quality needed. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. Now, we have been contacted by one of our listeners who has discovered a problem with early morning flights out of Cork Airport to the United Kingdom. Brian Sinnott joins me to outline what is going on. Good morning to you, Brian. Hi, Patricia. How are you doing? I'm very well. Now, firstly, how often do you travel to the United Kingdom and what cities are, are we talking about that you regularly travel to? Sure. I would travel about three weeks of the month uh, to the UK. Um, I travel to Edinburgh, uh, Birmingham, and I also get the ferry from Rosslare to get to Wales as there isn't really a, a proper flight, flight connection to Cardiff during, for, for working people. And it's early morning. Are they day trips? Um, for me, no, they're not. They're three-day trips that, uh, every time. And okay. uh, uh, so it seems as if the early mornings are being slimmed back by Aer Lingus a little bit, um, which means uh, the normal early morning flight leaves at 6.45 in the morning, which gets you into Birmingham or Edinburgh kind of just after 8 o'clock, which gives you a full working day. Um, but what has happened recently, from what I can figure out, is that they have scaled back the Tuesday and Wednesday flights, particularly. So the Tuesday night for Bur- the Tuesday flight for Birmingham leaves at seven p.m. and at Wednesday at seven p.m. Uh, whereas on Monday, Thursday, and Friday they have two flights: an early morning flight and an evening flight. So to fly out on a Tuesday at seven p.m. for people who are in business, and I work for a charity, so there's even more budgetary constrictions mm. there. Um, or restrictions, I should say. Um, at nine o'clock or at seven p.m. in the evening, getting at half eight in the evening into Birmingham. Well, it's uh, your working day is gone. Yeah, it is. and well, were and, they and what, every what, what, day of the week? Are they every day of the week at the moment? They fly every day of the week. Okay. Um, to these major cities, and Manchester, I think, is a better um, service, and London has. I don't use those so much, but it's probably worth researching or asking Aer Lingus. Uh, but certainly going anywhere near the Midlands in the UK um, or up to Scotland, uh, Cork has uh, really been slim, slim back for business flights. Now, when but you're on those flights, and as you say, you regularly are on those flights, yeah. are they busy? Yes, they are. The planes are full. Yeah, yeah. And the odd time on the Edinburgh flight, it isn't. Um, uh, but the Birmingham ones are always 
full to capacity. Uh, I was thinking for the Birmingham one in my own head that they might even put on a few extra flights um, because the flights are always full. In the Edinburgh one, it's usually full, but sometimes it's not. And I understand there's a cost factor here, but there's another side to it is that we're kind of geographically cut off from the rest of Europe. Um, and it adds to business, and certainly for charities in my case, the cost of living on an island and flying to other countries. I don't know, does the state sponsor flights or, or whatever? I don't know. But we're at a distinct disadvantage to the UK with regard to the, uh, the continent. We're two islands out. Um, we have two ferry services that run primarily from the East Coast to the UK. Um, and the ferry price as a foot passenger, I go as a foot passenger, mm. is €87 Euro return, which is crazy. Um, it's nearly the same price as a flight to America to bring the car return. Yeah, uh, it's, the car is really expensive on the ferry. It is, where, yeah. Whereas from the UK to the continent is very, very cheap in comparison. So we could do with a third ferry company. Uh, on the Irish Sea. There's no question about it. I don't want to uh, bring allegations of price fixing, but if you only have two companies, you don't have competition. You need a third. And we certainly could do with more flights out of Cork Airport. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, what I'm going to have to do now, um, uh, because of the Edinburgh flight next week, I have to uh, drive to Dublin and be in Dublin at an ungodly hour. Um, so I have to leave at like four in the morning or yeah. something to yeah. get to Dublin and then fly across and then do a working day because the clients across the water aren't interested whether you're leaving at three or four in the morning um, they're interested in, in the day's work that they're paying you for so um, we really need to be serviced in Cork and every other regional uh, airport even connection flights from Cork to Dublin would be fabulous Well there was we w- once upon a time we had them but then Ryanair decided to discover that yeah, but it was fantastic yeah. at the time. It was yeah. 10 or 15 yeah. euro. Yeah. And you were in Dublin Airport before all the connecting flights. That would be amazing if they would consider that again. And have you contacted Aer Lingus to find out why the early morning flights are um, disappearing? I've contacted Cork Airport and they put me on, to, well, they said to contact Aer Lingus. But to be honest, I spent about, I don't know, 20 minutes on the website trying to find out who I was meant to contact. I know, I know. They they don't uh, make it easy when you need to. They don't make it easy. I know and John I Paul that, is going to put um, a, an email. I don't know whether it's gone yet or he, but he or he's working on it we'll get an email after them just to, to find out in particular yeah. why those two uh, flights you know they may come back and and you've backed it up by saying well the Edinburgh one isn't as busy but the Birmingham one I've been on that Birmingham one before as well and it's very much a business and a leisure so many Irish people yeah. I've got in-laws living in Birmingham that we go to visit uh, quite regularly and there will be a lot of people on the flights who are either going for business like you could self or people like me who are going to visit family there's a lot of Irish uh, over in, in Birmingham so that's a very busy it's, it, I, I love the explanation as to why they've moved that one and I'm go and, and for me I'm actually not my end, end destination isn't Birmingham I'm going to Nottingham, and um, there used to be for a while I suppose right now we're testing it to see a Cork East Midlands flight, which was pretty empty. But I was wondering, you know, a regional flight would be would be good um, to other parts of the UK. We need to we need to be very very connected, especially in light of Brexit. We need to up our game completely and become very very accessible. Because there are boundaries and borders and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, the, the the frictionless trade that we have between the UK and Ireland, it, it, there's going to be more friction. So we have to loosen ourselves up with regard to travel and accessibility. And it's all going um, to be about accessibility. 
it, and that it is, and it's going to work both ways people coming here and us getting off the ab- island absolutely and the whole tourist thing I think because of the, the only two ferry companies, people in Britain don't even think, unless they have relatives in Ireland, they don't even think of coming here because they know Ireland is expensive to get to. When they can turn the other way and go to France and bring the family and, of course, get the climate, uh, but for a lot less. Um, and I think we could really up our game because we're a fabulous country to visit. We have a brilliant road, road network, as long as you stick to the main roads. But, uh, we, we really do. Uh, we have an awful lot to offer, but we have to make ourselves really, really accessible. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, you, you mentioned, uh, Brian, you're over and back for, for, for charity. Do you mind talking about what you do? Yes, I'm, uh, I'm a, a counsellor therapist and I work with five different uh, drug and rehal- rehabilitation centres, uh, three in the UK and two in Wicklow. Uh, people might be familiar with the, the, the one in Wicklow called Tiglin. Um, the, the one in, in the UK is Teen Challenge, which are kind of related uh, organisations. And Tiglin, so. that's, that's a residential treatment centre, isn't it? Yeah, there's a men's residential centre and a women's rehabilitation centre in uh, in Wicklow. They're fabulous places, um, great places to work. Yeah, doing an amazing job. All age groups, do they take all? Um, Well, uh, from 18 up. uh, 18 up, okay. It would be fantastic if if we could do under 18, but with the whole child protection thing, which of course is necessary as well, the, the staff ratios just aren't possible. It would be brilliant if we could reach our teenagers um, before they uh, get to the stage yeah. Yeah. yeah the bureaucracy and, and the, the cost uh, is, is prohibitive at this and how long do people stay with would stay in, in, in Tiglin um, I think the full programme with Tiglin is 16 months uh, but that would include a third level education at the, at the back end of, of the programme so they leave not just um, you know uh, being liberated a bit from, from addiction but they also leave it uh, prospects of getting really good work as well which is fabulous so it's not just getting off a of substance it's kind of sorting out their lives in every sphere a kind of a holistic approach really And it's alcohol and drugs and in, and in many cases I take it addicted to both by the time they get to you is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, absolutely yeah, yeah Is it yeah, getting yeah. worse? Yeah, the drug situation is certainly getting worse. We're spared a little bit from what used to be called the legal highs that are in the UK that aren't so much here. They will be here um, and then then things are going to get worse. But the whole cocaine world and everything, uh, people are viewing now the likes of cocaine as cheaper than alcohol and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, I can understand the government, but I, I, the other side of it, I don't think our government are facing up to the reality of the amount of drugs but if you speak to an 18-year-old, they'll tell you. They'll tell you the, 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 the prevalence of, of drugs on the streets and all and that. Yeah, how easy it is to get it. And actually, cocaine, yeah. cocaine use is everywhere. Uh, well, apparently, I mean, I'm 50, so it's a long time since I was in a nightclub. But apparently, if you go into a nightclub, that you'll be approached. Uh, yeah. And it's just freely accessible, really, uh, at a very low price. And uh, it's dangerous, very dangerous substance, terribly dangerous, physiologically and psychologically very, very dangerous. Um, and yeah, 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 our, our young people. Um, God, you'd worry for the future, wouldn't you? Well, you would. I mean, I, I think I, I think in one sense we're a fabulous nation because we've got, you know, nearly full and, uh, full, um, on, um, full, full employment. employment. Yeah, yeah. Full employment at the moment, um, uh, which give, are giving young people you know, the giving things to do. But I think we could do with more gyms and more facilities for the teenagers and all that kind of stuff. When young people are bored, they have, they're have they full of energy and want to do something exciting. Um, that's not a bad thing. 
but we we got to provide things for them to do, healthy things for them to do. Yeah, excitement yeah. is not pouring something up their nose. All right, exactly. listen, uh, Brian, listen, uh, it was lovely to talk to you. We have sent that email off to your lingers and we'll get back to you as soon as we hear from them. In the meantime, uh, continue the great work that you're doing uh, and thanks for contacting us. Thanks, Patricia. Nice to talk to you. Good too. morning to bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is uh, Brian Sinnott. We went off, but it was good to go off and, and talk about his great work with uh, Tiglin the Drug and uh, Alcohol uh, Charity. But just to make people aware, if you are a regular traveller to either Edinburgh or Birmingham out of Cork Airport, all of the early, some of the early morning flights are been moved and that 6.45 flight great flight in the morning because you get the full day but from a working point of view is great but even if you're travelling over for shopping or to visit family or whatever it's great to arrive early and you've the, you're the run of the day as they say 1850 John Paul is taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Hello this is Eric Griffin join me Monday to Friday between 7 and 8 for some great songs on C103 Anthems and then... Hi there, Tommy Fleming here. This is Dominic Kerwin. Hello, this is Phil Minnebegley here. Hello, this is Robert Mazel. Hi, this is Nathan Carter, and you're listening to Eric Griffin on C103. Don't miss Anthems at 7 and the very best of Country and Irish from 8s, right here on C103. And hi, Trish, says a text there. I have to agree with your caller, Brian, who you were just speaking to as a WBA, and I'm assuming West Bromwich Albion fan. I find it way easier to actually drive to Dublin and fly that way because of the times, etc. Yeah, and, and, and I'm sure you would prefer to be flying out of Cork than having to make that journey to Dublin. Now, I'll get back to your thoughts and comments in a moment, but I want to move on to a different issue because people in West Cork will be very much aware of the great work provided by Lee Lachine's House, the suicide prevention charity. In order to keep the service going, Lachine's House have just opened a used furniture store. And to outline more, Lachine's House founder, Noreen Murphy, uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Noreen. Good morning. Uh, morning, You're you're welcome to the programme. Now, fundraising is an ongoing headache for all charities. Do you receive any state funding for Lachine's? Um, no, we don't. We don't receive um, no, not a cent of state funding. So we're constantly fundraising and finding way, um, um, ways and means of actually um, creating our own funds to support our own service. And remind listeners of the support that you offer. Um, well, the Sheen's House, um, we provide a free counselling service to people um, who are in, um, in distress um, and in locations that that, um, that are easily accessible to them. We also are providing um, free educa- um, education and um, in regards to suicide prevention training, um, we're, um, we're delivering um, a training, a certified training called QPR, which is a question, persuade and refer. It's simply ask a question to save a life. So we're delivering this training all over um, West Cork and Cork. We, we've gone into many schools. We're actually in Churchfield in Cork tomorrow night. We're delivering right. it in Clannacilty on the 21st of November. And we're also um, we're delivering workshops to people. Um, on the 27th of November, we're, we're delivering a stress management workshop at Island Street in Skibbereen. So um, this is where we raise money too, it's to go out there and to help people who are in need, help the families of people who are trying to cope with people who are suffering with depression or whatever is, is addiction. Um, we're, we're trying there, we're trying to, we're, we're there to support these people and their families. As and you are, can. and you are doing it. And, and let's be honest, you have saved lives. 
you over the oh, years yeah. lives yeah, have been saved I'm just taken aback that particularly like the free counselling that, that you give that you're not getting any state funding and I'm assuming you've tried Yes we tried and, and we have been refused yeah. Unreal so, yeah, so oh, what we do is we we we, battle, we we paddle our own canoe, and you know we we we're we're keeping our heads above water, and um, you know I mean um, we have people fundraising, as many people that hold a fundraiser for us, fantastic because um, the more funds we do, the more training we can pro- we have, the more training we can provide, and, and the more people, more people you can help, can help. Yeah, 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 and exactly, and yeah. people know. I mean, you've got a great name, Noreen, and people know the great work that you do. And I don't think there's anyone would pass a box if somebody was collecting for for Lishian's house. You've a fantastic reputation, and so and long, and people are very good. People are very good are, and very generous. Very generous. So tell yeah. me about this new furniture shop. I believe it's opened in Clonakilty. Yeah, we opened a new um, shop in Clonakilty. It's um, up in the Curtains Hill in Clon. Oh, excuse me, I have, I have a terrible flu at the moment. I thought I was going to sneeze there. Okay. It's up in the Curtains Hill in Clonakilty, and um, it's um, a big warehouse, and it's got everything, every type of um, table and chairs, settees, bric-a-brac, paintings, rugs, and um, with stuff that we have actually collected from um, people throughout Cork City and County that have rang us and has um, and has donated their 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 items to us because simply that we you know they they realize now that by donating something that they've used they don't need anymore and it's in resaleable condition that it can actually help save a life fantastic so, and then I mean, at the same great. time families that are maybe a bit strapped for cash exactly. and need to replace the sofa or need a new bed yeah. or whatever it is I'm assuming are picking up good bargains in your shop. It's, uh, fantastic, yeah. And I mean, you know, I mean, it it, it serves both purposes. Yeah. And you know, and I mean, um, it's it's good. Like there's very good quality um, um, furniture in the store. Brilliant. And I mean, it's opened Monday to Saturday. And obviously, we also have our shop in Skibbereen and Island Street as well. And um, on but next to the fields there on, on the main and the main street in Skib. So I mean, people are highly supportive of us, and it's just getting the word out there that you know we collect. The shop is open. Yeah, I was just going to ask about collection yeah. and delivery. Yeah. Well, we collect. I mean, if people ring our number, um, and they can find us on our website, lachinehouse.ie. There's a form they can fill out, or they can simply contact us on our mobile and our on our landline. And we have that, um, um, we have a van that collects from from where they are, Brilliant. anywhere, and um, and we deliver as well. When people purchase the item, we we deliver. As Is well. that all done by volunteers? Um, no, we have um, we have a few volunteers, but we actually have a few people working for us now. Great. Under these schemes, great. And we subsidy schemes. And, um, you know, we've we've got people, which is fantastic, it's another angle to this, that people who have been long-term unemployed are now, you know, we've been in a position to provide them with employment and under the schemes, the government schemes, and that, you know, they're getting back into the workforce and, um, and you know... It's, it's a win-win. It's yes. a win-win and it, it's sounding yeah. a little bit like, and I'm sure you're aware of it, the Aurora 
furniture shop in Mallow oh, yes, is, yes. is and, and that's for uh, people with that's for housing when it comes to, to mental health uh, but again that shop is proving to be really successful yeah. and it gets the whole conversation going around mental health Exactly yes and we do have lots of volunteers in our shop Brilliant. you know in, in Skibbon you know and it's just that going out collecting the furniture and obviously we need men so <laughs> it's heavy lifting so um, you know So people can yeah. ca- so if, if somebody has an item that they'd like to donate You'd love to hear yep. from them about failing that. Anyone in looking for any kind of, it, like it, it, when you walk into your shop, it's just like a normal furniture shop. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Okay. And I mean, and if people are looking for something and it's not there, just ask and they'll source it for them because <laughs> it could be in the warehouse or on the way in, you know, because we have a big, we have lists um, and we know what people are looking for. And they can just ring our number. I mean, if you, um, if, if our furniture number is 086-406-6348, and our landline is 0285-1950 and our, it's lichineshouse.ie okay. um, we're well on done. Facebook and um, you know I mean that people can donate um, and I, mean, I want to thank the people for supporting us because without the, the, the support and help from the people throughout Cork and West Cork we wouldn't be in a position to be doing what we're doing and for all the volunteers who have helped us over the years and for the team that I have surrounding us because without the people that support us and support me in, in what I'm doing we wouldn't be in a position to deliver the services we do to the people and um, you know without those people backing me I'm just one person I have to have you know a, a, a great team around me which I have and I'm very fortunate to have yeah, but you're the backbone. You're you're fantastic, and uh, so well done to you. Well, thank and you. And I know much. anyone involved with Lachines would want me to say that you're you're a mighty woman, and long may you continue. Listen, good luck with the shop. Uh, right. Pre-loved furniture. If anybody wants right. to buy thank some, you know where to go. Thanks, Noreen. God bless. That is uh, Noreen Murphy from Lachines House, and it's McCurtain Hill, big warehouse in uh, Clonakilty and as I say Aurora in Mallow up St uh, Joseph's Road again big warehouse full of wonderful wonderful furniture you're getting a bargain but at the same time you are helping people who are battling with mental health issues Michael in Castleton Bear says Patricia so saddened uh, to hear the news this morning of the passing of Dr Dennis Cotter from Bantry he was an outstanding GP who will be sadly missed throughout West Cork a true gentleman a man who cared for his people it never mattered when or where you met him he was always the same he opened his surgery early every morning to accommodate people going to work never needed an appointment you just turned up I have many a great memory he said of Dr Cotter may he rest in peace and a lot of thank you Michael and Castan Bear for that a lot of people truly saddened as we were here uh, at C103 to hear that news uh, this morning once again our condolences to uh, Dennis's family and uh, may he rest in peace 1850 We're going to take a break. We have news at 12 midday on the way. A lot of calls and comments to catch up on in the next hour. And we're also looking for your questions for Annalise, your nutritional questions, please. You can get those in either to John Paul or text or WhatsApp 0862 Wake up with Simon Murdoch. Weekday mornings on C103. We are still one mystery celebrity away from €2,120. <laughs> Disaster. You may go back to the drawing board. <laughs> Taking your guesses again tomorrow morning. He says, oh, no. 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 <laughs> that brutal cork traffic in the morning. We're helping you through it. Plus, playing you a bunch of cork's greatest hits. I'll talk to you from six. Cork's more music breakfast. With Dano's Centra. Spadlen Mallow. Enjoy a fresh start every morning with Dano's Maxol Filling Station. Frank and Honest Coffee, Deli and Bakery. C103.
You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now, a lot of uh, calls and comments coming in on various issues and topics that we've been already addressing this morning. And I'll get around to all of those. But just to remind you that we're looking for questions, please, for Annalise Drissett, our nutritional therapist. She'll join us after half past 12 uh, today. So if you've got a question, John Paul is taking them at 1850 And I'm getting some in here to me by text and WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. And earlier I mentioned that we're now sort of now that we're into the start of November, I know for some people they think it's too early to be talking about Christmas but no matter where you go all of the shops Christmas stock has started to arrive in Christmas tunes are already playing in a number of the stores and if you know a lot of people like to get organised early so if you're, you're one of those out and about we're trying to encourage people as we do every year in fairness trying to encourage people to shop as much as you can locally I accept if you're on a tight budget and you can get a bargain by going elsewhere you can get a bargain by going online I'm not stopping anybody doing that but try where you can to shop locally and support those businesses that will be there for the rest of the year when the online mightn't be the easiest option for you when you need to buy something and the local shop is handy for you so try to support as many of the local businesses as you can and support the town where you live as well I think that's important and many of the local towns and indeed they'll be the same inside in the city they'll be offering free parking to encourage people to come and visit the local town and the local city. So keep a lookout for the offers that are on when it comes to parking. I've had an email in for from uh, Mallow and if any of the other towns around want to let us know what's happening when it comes to free parking or reduced parking fines in the run to Christmas, let us know so we can share it with uh, listeners. The parking arrangements for Mallow Town over the Christmas period and they're deeming the Christmas period from the 1st of December to the 2nd of uh, January. There'll be one hour free on-street parking and three hours free parking in all of the council car parks. Usual time restrictions will still uh, apply and it doesn't affect the free parking on Fridays after one and all weekend. They will continue as normal. And the council car parks in Mallow St James's Avenue, Carmarket Lane, the Park Road, Bridge Street, the Bowling Green Car Park, Muddy Hill and the Spa Road. So it is one hour free on-street parking three hours of free parking in all of the council car parks 1st of December through to the 2nd of January and that's for uh, Mallow. Now, some of your WhatsApps uh, in the latest abuse, says this texture, inflicted on the Cork bus driver last week was terrifying and a shocking experience that should be a red flag to us all and I know we're reporting on this on our news bulletins again today. Enough is enough, said this listener. The driver was threatened with rape by a gang of thugs and we should not be expected to to tolerate uh, no one should expect it to be tolerated being terrorised by youngsters in our society anymore. It has to stop. The Gardaí urgently need to take action and increase their presence on the street of our city and can I throw in and downs these offenders and others need to know that there will be serious consequences for their actions. Could anybody found guilty of Antisocial behaviour and in particular this type of behaviour. Imagine the fear of being threatened by a gang of young fellas that they're going to rape her. God, it must have been just, I hope to God she recovers from that. It's just terrifying. Anyway, this listener is saying anybody found guilty of antisocial behaviour while under the age of 18 should be subjected to a three month Garda boot camp that they would complete 
once they had finished their education, be it if they were in, you know, secondary school doing their leaving, so as soon as leaving cert's finished, they'd have to do this three month booth camp for this offence that they committed while under the age of 18. They, they should not be able to apply or avail of any public funds in their future adulthood unless they've agreed to completing the punishment, says a, a texter. Well, it's not, it's not a bad suggestion, I have to say, because what's happening at the moment doesn't seem to be working because you seem to have young people who know that when they're caught, sure nothing will happen to us and they just seem to be getting away with it. I mean, only... Was it last week, the week, or not the week before when I was on, we were talking about when it came to antisocial behaviour by young people. Remember, there was the talk of sending their parents, forcing their parents to go to mandatory parenting classes to see if they could put manners on them. But there definitely seems to be a cohort. Not all. The majority of young people are fantastic and do not engage in behaviour like what was witnessed by that bus driver last week. But there is the small percentage that do and they seem to be they seem to think they can do what they like and they're just getting away with it. So something has to be done. What's in place at the moment isn't working. So if it's a the suggestion of a guard the boot camp, why not look at it? Why not look at it? Thank you for your text to 86 Hi Patricia, on the toilets in Porky Rain, remember Charlie and Whelan, it was one of our first calls this morning, he wanted to bring up about the state of the men's toilets and the smell of urine in them and how disgusting the toilets were yesterday. Well, uh, Mary says, Patricia, on the issue of Porky Rain and the toilets yesterday, they were a disgrace. So obviously Mary was in the ladies because I was wondering how the ladies, were they as bad as the men's? Obviously they were. Uh, Mary said they were a disgrace and all the money that the GAA have taken in, I was actually worried, says Mary, you're picking up an infection. Afraid you get a kidney infection from using, and I don't know if you can you know, if you get a kidney infection or any some kind of a, you could pick up certainly nasty bacteria. Yeah, you could pick up stomach bugs for sure, for sure. Anyway, let me stay on that subject for a moment because somebody in the know. I was wondering how often are these toilets cleaned, and that's what people are saying, and that's what Mary's saying. The money that the GA take in, sure they can afford to pay and have enough staff on to keep the toilets clean. Hi, Patricia. I work in a GAA grounds as a caretaker. And when you get any big games, the toilets will always stink. Why? Because you have a couple of hundred people all using them at the same time. One hour after the game is over, that smell simply fades away. What smells do people expect to get in toilets that are in constant use? Hmm... Let me let me ponder on that. There are lots of other venues that will have toilets with a lot of people going through them and they don't all smell of uh, urine. And I accept your job as a GAA caretaker, grounds as a caretaker on the grounds is a tough enough job. Surely more staff on days where you know you don't have those big games every day. So there's only going to be so many days in the year, so many weekends that there's going to be big games do you not just employ extra people and make sure that there's people in there constantly? You know, somebody has suggested Jay's fluid, for example. I'm not suggesting you're going to spray everyone with Jay's fluid. But that you have enough people in there cleaning it. I mean, how often have you been in t- airports, is a typical example. You're in an airport and the cleaner is in constantly cleaning the toilets. And there's, you know, tens of thousands of people going to airports and using toilets all of the time. Most of the time you're queuing to get into a toilet. There's so much in use. And I've never walked into an airport toilet and had it stinking of urine. So I think where there's a will, there's a way. You just, you can't just leave it to that caretaker. I think on those days, you need to have 
a lot more people there. I mean, I was in Croke Park a couple of weeks ago at that disability summit that I was attending. Now, I was in the the part where I imagined the Prawn Sandwich Brigade normally sit. They had wonderful toilets. I mean, they were just, you could eat off the floor. They were so clean. I'm not saying the Porky Wren could be expected to have toilets to that standard. But I think basically keeping them clean and not having a smell of urine. And I don't, I don't think that that's a good enough reason that you've got a couple of hundred people all using them at the same time. Bring in extra staff. If you're the official caretaker, then you need extra people working with you on the days that the matches are on just for while the match is on and people in and out cleaning those toilets and you won't have you won't have that kind of uh, a smell and then just on the whole thing thank you by the way for your text on the whole thing of toilets and how people use toilets and what is it when it's a public toilet that people I was making the point that surely they don't act like that in their own homes even though somebody reckons that they do but I, I refuse to believe that anybody would be like that just like peeing on the floor it must be to get that smell of urine as you walk into the toilet Texter says not alone do they pee on the floor but on at least four occasions Patricia a person did their number twos on the toilet floor now it's in a West Cork shop and it was in the disabled toilets the individuals involved by the way are abled bodied they weren't in any way disabled but is there not a law to prosecute them there's a law to prosecute the shops they could close down a deli if they walked in and a health inspector found a toilet like that no wonder toilets are closed to non-customers disgusted says this texter I don't know I don't know where that shop was but that was somebody and that's why when you go into businesses and they clearly say toilets are for customers use only because there's a cost involved in maintaining those toilets and having to have somebody to go in and check and make sure that they're clean but it's disgusting to think that somebody would go in and use a public toilet and defecate and just leave it on the floor. Absolutely disgusting. Just, just, I have no explanation for how that could possibly have happened. It's, it's disgraceful. Thank you for your text. On Patrick Street and the ban, and the ban that doesn't seem to exist on private cars using Patrick Street from three o'clock in the afternoon until half past six. Hi Patricia, I'm a taxi driver in Cork, says this texter, and I'm looking at cars going through Patrick Street every single day of the week. The car ban it is a joke. I'm driving through Patrick Street last week. There was a guy in the car in front of me, two cars in front of them and four cars coming in the opposite direction. And the two boys in the car, the car, just looking at him. Either enforce it or scrap it, says a taxi driver. And I see actually our piece with Councillor Oliver Moore and has been picked up by our newsroom. I heard it on the news at 12 o'clock. So maybe it'll gain a bit of momentum that we've started talking about it today that taxi driver is right you either enforce it or you just scrap it yeah, completely I think a lot of people will agree with you on uh, that 1850-333-103 Trisha Houston Station in Dublin there's always a queue for the toilets there when you're coming off the train or going on the train but they always smell sweet do they? God I remember once upon a time the, the toilets in Houston Station were I would never use them because they were never clean. So obviously they've cleaned up their act. Pardon the pun. That's good to hear. Anybody, anybody agree with that? Houston Station, the toilets, because I was only, I was on the train to Dublin and as we were coming back to get the train home again, I needed to use the toilet and I said, oh, wait till I get out of the train because I didn't want to risk going into the public toilets because my memory of them 
from many years ago where they weren't great. So obviously they've they've cleaned up their act, which is good to hear. Thank you for your text. We spoke about flights and flights out of Cork Airport this morning and in particular we had Brian talking about the Birmingham flight and the flight to Edinburgh and it looks like they're reducing the early morning flights and we're still waiting on an answer back from Aer Lingus. Uh, Marilyn by WhatsApp says Aer Lingus don't fly to Brussels from Cork either any longer, which is awful. Uh, Bearing in mind that Brussels is one of the two main cities within the EU while They've two flights every day going to Amsterdam. It's such a big extra cost for people who have to go to Belgium out of Cork, says Marilyn. And once upon a time, there was regular flights to Brussels. I don't know if they were daily, but there were certainly a number of them a week and they pulled those as well. And I can never understand sometimes why those uh, flights get pulled. I, I really can't, but it happens all of the time. 1850 What else is coming into us? Heidi wants to issue a safety warning to people. This morning, Patricia. I uh, hope you had a nice break. I did indeed. Good to be back though. Uh, I would like to say to motorists, please, now is the time to check the lights on their cars and vans and make sure they're all working properly. Also, check have you got antifreeze in your car we're heading into very dark evenings and dark nights and winter is almost upon us uh, I was out at the weekend and to see so many lights over the weekend with cars not with the lights not working properly on the cars it is absolutely dangerous we just want everyone to be safe says uh, Heidi thank you for that so yeah you do it before you make that long journey just check put on your lights get out of the car if you haven't got somebody to check it for you walk around the car make sure all of those lights are working because if you're on particularly if you're on a dark road and you see what appears to be a motorcyclist coming against you you may, you might think it is and you think oh it's well tucked in it's in by the verge and then it's only when you come across it you realise that it's a car with only one light working and it's the inside light which is in by the ditch I mean it's a, really an accident waiting to happen so please thank you for that uh, Heidi good word of warning and hopefully people will uh, take that on board and Nora says yes Patricia the toilets in Houston station very clean and they always smell beautifully <laughs> that's good at the next time in Houston station I will make a point of spending a penny there 1850 John Paul takes your calls with a reminder that we're looking for questions for Annalise, our nutrition therapist, please text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. The Irish Blood Transfusion Board, they're holding a donor clinic. It is in Burn Hill House in Clon and it's on today between five and half past uh, eight. Gagan Community Alert Meeting, that's taking place tonight at eight. Gagan Hall, all are welcome. The grand draw for Ballyhay Community Hall will be held in Corbett Court on Friday the 15th of November at eight o'clock. Tickets are 10 euro. They're on sale now with great prizes sponsored by the Charleville Plant Hire and Husqvarna. And an information meeting will be held in the West Lodge Hotel in Bantry tomorrow, Tuesday at 7.45. Topics to be covered include crime prevention and winter safety. Guests on the night include Gardaí, Fire Service, West Cork Coastal Watch, 
members plus IFA health and safety executives and all are welcome. And Anam Carrer, the group which supports bereaved parents after the death of a child, they'll host a parent support evening in the Clayton Hotel in Cork City. And that's happening this Wednesday at 20 past seven. All bereaved parents, regardless of the age of your child or the circumstances of their death, are very welcome to attend. OK, a lot of uh, texts uh, coming in to us, uh, including texts for Annalise. Keep the ones for Annalise coming if you have a question, a nutritional question. John Paul has taken the calls, 1850 on the Patrick Street ban on cars. I wonder, Patricia says this texter, could you ask Garda headquarters in Cork, why isn't the car ban being enforced. It's the same with bus lanes and bike lanes. Well, we'll do that. We'll send off. Now, they'll direct us straight through to the Garda Press Office, but we'll get that. We'll get John Paul to send an email to the Garda Press Office and ask why is the the ban on cars, why is it not being enforced? Another texter says, Hi Trish, I'm a taxi driver in the city. Car ban, you're having a laugh. There's seven taxi ranks on Patrick Street. Yesterday afternoon between 3 and 6.30, which is the time that the car ban is in place, I couldn't get on to four of them. Why? Private cars were parked there. So not only were they on the street when the ban was in place, but then to add insult to injury, they parked their cars in the taxi rank. Oh, goodness, goodness me. Hi, Patricia. I'm listening. This is Julie. I am listening to you talk about antisocial behaviour. Well, I can only say that society has gone from us. Young thugs are not afraid of you or me or they're not even afraid of the Gardaí and their parents are just as bad. No talking to them. I live in Fomoy and it can be frightening here sometimes. Where are the Gardaí? Your guess is as good as mine. Well, there's, there's not enough to have them out on the beach, I suppose. I won't go anywhere any more in Fomoy on my own, says Julie, who feels so nervous because of antisocial behaviour. Isn't that, isn't that dreadful? And sometimes it isn't even antisocial behaviour. Sometimes when you get a group like the young thugs, is, is how Julie's phrased it, but a gang of young people together, that can be intimidating for some people, particularly if it's elderly people. I mean, the young people might be fine, but you see them, you know, up ahead and you might be afraid. I wonder, you know, will they pick on me when will something happen to me? And people just get fearful. And then that leads people to stay indoors going, oh, I just won't go out at all, which really saddens me, Julie, to hear you say that you can't go anywhere in your hometown of Fomoy or you won't go on your own. Hopefully, though, that's not keeping you indoors and that you are meeting up with others and that you are uh, going out. Staying on the antisocial behaviour. Hi, Patricia. I presume the listener who was talking about the boot camp meant an army boot camp, not a Garda boot camp. The Garda are simply too restricted by regulations. A Garda boot camp wouldn't work, but an army boot camp, that certainly would, would work. And this listener says, I know army boot camps and they do work. And by the way, flushing kills the ammonia smell in toilets. I was in Dublin the day that Katie Taylor came in and the upstairs toilets stank. Now, I'm assuming that's at the airport you're talking about. OK, and I, I was making the point whenever I've been at Dublin Airport or at other airports, I had never got a bad smell. But according to this listener, there was the upstairs toilets stank too high heaven. Thank you for your text on boot, staying on boot camps. Anthony says boot camps should have been introduced a long time ago. Those individuals on the bus should have been rounded up and kept in an enclosed area and collected by their parents and a good stiff talking to with the parents on future 
conduct by the guards, says uh, Anthony. And I don't know, I'll when I'm finished on the programme, I'll, I'll look into it in more detail of, on that particular uh, story. I know I heard that, you know, when the guards were called, they refused to get off the bus. I know at one stage there was just, I mean, they just... Brazen is kind of a word that really springs to mind. But this is a bit more than just brazen. The very fact that they threatened this female bus driver that they were going to rape her. Nobody should have to go to work and to have to hear that or to be in fear of that. It's just, and it's, I think of her. I really do think of her. And I hope that she gets over it and that she's okay and that she'll be able to get back to work. It's just it's frightening to think what she has been what that woman has been put through. Shame on them. Absolutely shame on them. 1850 We're going to take a break. I can see a number of texts coming in for Annalise. Keep those coming, please. There's just one more on toilets I want to get to. Um, hi, Patricia. The toilets at Wilton Shopping Centre and the Crescent Shopping Centre are being constantly cleaned and they generally are clean but there's a suffocating smell in both places regularly. It's some kind of air freshener that they're blowing in that they're hoping would improve things. Oh no, some kind of fresh air blower might improve things. However, when we went to go, we, we've we got to go. So these public toilets cannot be done without smell or no smell, says, says the texter. Yeah, and you just have to learn a trick that I learned many, many years ago. Actually, I learned it when I first went to Belarus over 20 years ago and I was going into some awful, real third world country style toilets. They really were bad. But when we used to go into the orphanages, and visit the little children inside the orphanages and the smell inside in some of the orphanages were really bad, really, really bad. And I have a very weak stomach when it comes to smells. So I learned very quickly to breathe through my mouth so that I wasn't, so I wasn't breathing through my nose. So I couldn't, I would put the smell out of my head I would breathe through my mouth. It sounded like I constantly have a cold and I would speak like that the whole time I was in there because I just thought I was going in to visit little tiny children and little little babies inside in cots and little toddlers inside in cots and the last thing they wanted was me to be empty reaching on top of them and gagging and I just decided no, I would get over it and that's how I got over it and that's what I do and if I go into any sort of a public toilet rather than get the smell I will immediately breathe through my mouth and go, OK, there's no spell in here because when you need to go, you need to go. 1850-333-103. Get weekly news, event updates and community information from across Cork with our regional reports on c103.ie. From Bantry to Buttevant to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area in between, we've got it covered. To listen, go to c103.ie and click regional reports or download the... If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. C103 app and click podcasts. Regional reports only on C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballincollig joins us. Good afternoon, Annalise. Good afternoon. And we're inundated with questions, so let me get straight in. Here's an interesting one. Hi, Patricia. Does Annalise know? No. What could be the cause of severe bad breath in somebody who's got excellent oral hygiene, extremely fit and healthy, has an excellent diet? He's actually thinking of going to a doctor. It's been going on for weeks. Any help would be welcome. So it's obviously something that he hasn't lived with all of his life. It's something that's yeah, come so on. I think if it's not, um, if it's nothing to do with oral hygiene, it's probably a bacterial issue, Patricia. It could either be coming from the stomach or it could be bacteria in the mouth. Um, or so there'd be lots of questions I would ask this person if they came into the shop. Things like, have you had an antibiotic recently? I'd take a look at their tongue. If there's a thick coating on their tongue, that's definitely an indication of a bacterial thing. Sometimes as well, within the stomach, you know, um, certain foods that disagree with people can cause that thick coating on a tongue and that can have an odour. Um, so there's a number of different um, issues that can cause that bad breath. So the first step, I guess, really is a probiotic. Um, The good bacteria, put them into your system. So take a probiotic supplement that'll get the good bacteria into your whole digestive system. That does take time, but that might be what's the cause of the the, the bad smell off the breath. And then if there is a big coating on the tongue um, and you had an antibiotic recently, maybe it's a fungal issue, maybe you have a little bit of thrush or something in the mouth. So do a mouthwash with some grapefruit seed extract. That's a great natural mouthwash anyway because it doesn't damage the 
beneficial bacteria that live in our mouth, but it does get rid of the ones that we don't want living in our mouth. So use a few, maybe five drops of the citricidal, which is grapefruit seed extract, in um, some warm water and do a mouthwash and swish it between your teeth every night. And take a look at digestion. If you're not digesting well, consider a digestive enzyme. So they would be the three main causes if it's not oral hygiene. Okay. Hi, Annalise. Why would I be getting a severe itch after showering? It's only started recently and it's just on my shins. I've tried using a sensitive shower gel, but no good. It's very severe for about five minutes after I shower. Yeah, I don't know, Patricia, about our water quality. Sometimes I think that they, you know, must increase the amount of chlorine in our water because here, when I sometimes turn on the tap at home, I can smell the chlorine in the water and other times I can't. So I'd imagine it, it, it could be something to do with the water quality has changed recently. Um, and sure, we can't shower in distilled water or in filtered water. So it's something that you really just have to find workarounds for. So what I would do is I would switch to a complete chemical-free shampoo and one that was not drying. Uh, sorry, body wash and, and shampoo. So something like... Um, you know, the, the, in the health store, you'll find lots of ones that don't have any sodium laurel sulfates. They can be very irritating and itchy on dry skin. Um, the um, other ones that are very good are Avalon. That's another company that do great ones. And none of these have any chemicals. Dr. Bronner's is probably one of the most chemical-free ones. And they come in kind of liquid soaps and they come in bars of soap as well. So switch to something like that and then moisturize your legs after the shower. And it may be the quality of the water and it may be something that it, that'll disappear, but that certainly will help you manage it for the time. In the meantime, OK, here is a, this is kind of one of the ones you kind of go, ah, bless. I'm an 82-year-old with diverticulitis. I get bad diarrhea for long periods. I have to go upstairs to the bathroom four to five times in the morning and I have a very bad knee. Is there anything I can do to improve my situation? Thanking you. Yeah, so there's two things I'd probably recommend that you would try. One of them is a probiotic, which um, they've actually developed here in Cork as part of the CUH studies on irritable bowel. It's called Alflorex, and in my experience, it's worked, it works very well for people that tend to get a lot of diarrhea. So that could be something to try. You'll get it in a pharmacy or in a health store because pharmacies also stock this particular one, and it's spelled A-L-S-L-O-R-E-X. So you could try that. That's a good bacteria that seems to stabilize the environment in the colon so that the healthy bacteria can grow and thrive. And that can help with diarrhea in that sense. The second thing then is to use a particular kind of fiber called psyllium. Now, psyllium is a lovely fiber um, to use whether you're constipated or whether you've got diarrhea because it can bring form to a loose stool, but it can also soften up a very hard impacted stool. And it's very gentle, isn't it? It's very, very gentle, Patricia. And anybody who's got diverticulitis, I would advise them to add this into their diet because it certainly can help prevent developing um, the infections. What happens with diverticulitis is that you've got little pouches in the colon that blow out and food matter can get stuck in those and they can become infected and it can create, you know, inflammation and infection from that perspective. So the key to managing diverticulosis is to prevent it becoming infected. Flare up, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And what do you call it? Psyllium husk. Psyllium husk. It's spelled P-S-Y-L-L-I-U-M and you can buy it in the husk form in a health shop and you could add it into your powder or into a little bit of water and just drink it back. It becomes very gloopy so make sure that you um, drink it quickly. Or you can buy it in um, 
in a form called Lepicol is a product that also has some good bacteria added to it for the colon. And the Lepicol Red also has some digestive enzymes added to it. And that's very good to help you break your food down quicker so that you can get the nutrition better out of your food. So I would say um, psyllium husk in either the form of Lepicol or in the form of just the husk from a health shop and the Alflorex probiotic should sort that out. Okay, good luck. Good luck with that. Sandy says, if eating bread gives a lethargic low energy episode, which can last up to two hours, can anything help other than avoiding bread? Nope. (laughs) Plain and simple. So it's actually a common um, question. I'd ask that question a lot. How do you feel after eating bread? And then I'd ask the same question. How do you feel after eating rice or potatoes? And if you feel tired after both, it's actually probably more a blood sugar balance issue. So the white bread or white rice or white um, potatoes, are you're raising your blood sugar very quickly and you're getting that kind of post-meal slump. If it's just with bread, it's more likely to be an intolerance to gluten. And I see it a lot. I can't see any scientific evidence for it whatsoever. But people who get this low slump in energy, I'd often suspect an intolerance. So you could maybe try breads without gluten and see if you get the same symptoms. But if you're getting the same symptoms after rice and after potatoes, it's probably more to do with the carbohydrate content and it's probably a blood sugar issue. So take a supplement maybe like um, something like BioCare SucroGuard uh, is a good one. It's spelled S-U-C-R-O-G-U-A-R-D. You'll get it in the health shop. And that's very good for to help your body balance its blood sugar more efficiently. Yeah, and the, I mean, I've gone completely gluten-free and the difference is, is incredible. And the gluten-free bread is has improved so much. Absolutely. Compared to what it was. At one stage, it was like eating cardboard. Oh, it was. And actually, Patricia, even just gluten-free wraps and gluten-free yeah. there's a, uh, cereals, and you can even get quite nice gluten-free sweet treats. One of the things... You can. There's a lovely chocolate cake doing the rounds at the moment that I've oh, discovered. Oh, that's the danger <laughs> now as well. was for a special uh, occasion. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, a little bit of what you fancy does you no harm. Absolutely. It's the old wife's um, saying, and it's very true. But one of the things I find about gluten-free bread when some people make the switch is that they have to use a lot of yeast to get a rise in it. And a lot of people don't tolerate the yeast very well, so they still may end up with the same symptoms. So you might be better off switching to a very low-gluten product like Spelt, but one that's from a sourdough base that doesn't have a lot of added yeast. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, people can try that. Hi, uh, where am I gone here? Uh, what would you, what would Annalise recommend for somebody to take after being very tired? And this is at the end of a very two-week busy period in their life. So I always recommend the Source of Life Gold. Um, it's by a company called Nature's Plus. You'll get it in health stores. And I call it the Go Juice because it literally is the Go Juice. So it's a great tonic. It's a food-based supplement and comes in liquid form or powder form, or tablet form, but the liquid is probably the best. And it just, like, it, it gives you a real nutrient boost if you've had a particularly busy time, or if you've been sick, or if you're busy and your diet has gone out the window, and you're not eating, you know, nutritious foods. So it gives you all those great nutrients, but there's also stuff in there to help your immune system, and there's ginseng in there that will give you an instant perk up. So you get that instant energy boost from that. And then over the course of the, the, the month that you take it, you'll get a great nutrient boost from the tonic side of it as well. well. It's, it's really good. Madge says, uh, question for Annalise, please. Any help for a very itchy scalp? I don't think it's dandruff, said Madge. So with an itchy scalp, it's either two things. Number one, you're reacting to the product that you're using. Or number two, it is a type of a dandruff fungal thing. Um, so if it's the first, 
product and you're reacting to um, the products, it's more likely the sodium laurel sulfate that you find in the shampoos. They cause the foam. So go and get yourself a non-sodium laurel sulfate-based shampoo. Um, the Salcura do a great omega-rich shampoo, which is very good for dry and itchy scalp. And you'll get that in any health store. It's just called Salcura Omega-Rich Shampoo. Uh, but even if you just switch to a natural-based shampoo, you should see some benefit if that's what the problem is. And then if it's a dandruff fungal thing, um, massaging some of that citricidal I spoke about earlier for the mouthwash, this is also, it's a great natural antifungal. So you can just put a few drops into some warm water, massage into your scalp and leave it on for about 15 minutes before you wash your hair as usual. And over the course of a few treatments, that should clear it up if it's a fungal issue uh, or a dandruff stroke, stroke fungal issue. And once you've gotten good relief, you can just add those drops into your shampoo when you're in the shower and just shampoo every time that you, you, you shampoo your hair, put it in and that'll keep it at bay going forward. Mary is looking for advice. Somebody that had been on two courses of antibiotics and has ended up with oral thrush. Oh, it would be good to clear it. Yeah, so the same thing there, the citricidal. And now I would definitely take a probiotic as well after antibiotics because if there's oral thrush, we could be fairly sure that the antibiotics have damaged the balance of good bacteria in the whole gut area as well. So take a good probiotic. Um, Optibac are a very good brand. Biocult are a very good brand. You can get Udo Super 8. They're a good brand as well. Go to your local health shop and they'll recommend one. And then with the citricidal grapefruit seed extract that I spoke about earlier as the mouthwash for bad breath, just put a few drops into some warm water and swish it around your, your mouth for about five minutes morning and evening and that'll help clear it up as well. It's very painful. It can be very painful. Yeah. Now, if, you're, if there's any cuts in your mouth, that grapefruit seed extract will burn terribly. Yeah, but, It'll sting. Yeah, but it, will yeah. cu- it will cure. Sinead in Skibberina said a cold sore on her lip for the last two months. Now she went to the chemist and they had suggested Zovirex and another, pro- another uh, product called Simex, but neither worked. What would Annalise suggest okay, for a cold so sore? It, it sounds very wrong to me that a cold sore is there for two months. Okay. So I think um, it should be checked really by the doctor at this stage if it's not healing. Um, but what I use, and I get cold sores myself, and what I find the best is the biopropolis um, cream. So if you can catch, you see, it's the same with the Zavirex. If you can feel a cold sore coming up and you can use something as you feel the tingle, it can often either make it come up far smaller or it doesn't come up at all. But if you don't, if you miss that tingle, you've just missed your window. And I don't think the Zavirex does anything to help heal up a cold sore any quicker or anything like that. But the biopropolis, I find, takes the pain out of it and also it doesn't seem to get as big and it seems to heal much quicker. And I used to get terrible scars after them and I don't get that with the biopropolis. So I would advise that. And look, if you try that for a week and there's still no healing, definitely go and get that checked out because any sore that hasn't healed after two months, there's, it's not right. There's something wrong with that. Okay, Mary says, Hi Patricia, could you ask Annalise if an if autoimmune makes you tired? I've been diagnosed with autoimmune, but I'm only dragging my legs behind me with the tiredness. I don't know if it's down to this. It's been going on now for over twelve months. I've tried vitamin B twelve, worked for a while, but then I'm back to square one again. So there's two probably different things going on here, really, Patricia. One, an autoimmune disease is where your own immune system attacks your body. So we don't know what type of autoimmune disease this lady has. Like there's things like lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, Hashimoto's, where your thyroid is attacked by your immune system. There's multiple sclerosis. 
So there's lots of different types of autoimmune. And if you have a flare-up, yes, you're going to be exhausted because your whole body will be in a, an inflammatory mode and like being sick, it is going to sap your energy. So, um, and then some people do have chronic fatigue on top of autoimmune and I suppose it's all chicken or egg. You know, do you develop autoimmune disease because you're chronically fatigued and your body hasn't the energy? So, so do you get a flare-up then? It's hard to know. So there could be two separate issues or they could be two, one could be the result of another. So I think she probably needs to go and see a professional who will maybe help her come up with a good plan um, to, you know, to, to build her energy and to build her immune system function and to help balance her immune system going forward. OK, my son says a texter uh, who's in college has developed worms, something he's eaten. What's the best cure? Um, OK, worms. I suppose the quickest way really is to go into the... Um, pharmacy and get a worm tablet. I mean, we used to be wormed as children regularly, yeah. whether we had them or not. Um, but the natural remedy for worms, there's lots of lovely ones that work well. So you've got oregano oil, black walnut extract is brilliant, powdarco is fantastic, um, oregano extract is great. Um, Dr. Dealish Clare does a lovely parasite blend that's a great wormer. Um, it comes in liquid form and it's probably the most effective one of all the ones I've seen. But there are lots of kind of different blends that you can try naturally. There's one called Dida, which is a blend of garlic and clove and oregano and different natural anti-worm, anti-fungals. So go into your health shop. If you can get your hands on the Dr. Dealish Clare Parasite blend, that's the one I would say works the best. But otherwise, go into your local health shop and they'll find one that'll suit. OK, can you give us the name of the drops for the dry scalp and dandruff again, please? So People are looking for that. The, I, I, it's grapefruit seed extract. So it's literally the extract of the grapefruit seed. But the most common brand that you'll get in a health store will be, um, it's called Citricidal and it's spelt um, C-I-T-R-I-C-I-D-A-L and it's by a company called Higher Nature and that would be the most common brand that people will find. Okay, and the the tonic was the Nature's Plus Source of Life. Source of Life. Life go. Somebody yes. says can't take Source of Life. Have you another recommendation? So if you can't take Source of Life, I think probably go for a good... Um, a good multivitamin, something like Oxylent is a great one um, that um, is very well absorbed into the body and it'll just give you a good nutrient boost. Um, most of the time people can't take the source of life gold because of the ginseng in it. So if you do want something to boost your energy that isn't ginseng related, um, you could probably look maybe at um, something like the Baraka B complex with um, a, a, a big high dose of the um, B vitamins and B12 that can give you an energy boost as well but the Oxalent is a very good multi and you know the, a very cheap and cheerful one that often people get a good boost from as well is the Floridix it's just a bit of iron with some of the B vitamins and a vitamin C and that can work well for some people as well Okay listen we leave it there thank you for that uh, have a good week and we'll chat again next Monday Thank you for that. That is Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic. And our apologies if we didn't get to all of your questions. We'll endeavour to answer uh, some more of your questions next uh, week. And by the way, we've had a couple of calls in to say that the air computer calls have started up again. 
one listener says, I've heard nothing them from I've heard nothing from them for weeks. I thought they'd gone away. Lo and behold, they're back again with a vengeance uh, today. So just to warn people. And somebody else over the weekend was getting calls on their mobile on Saturday from Ch- from a number in Chad. It was uh, a plus two three five number. Obviously, the text said it didn't answer it. Then yesterday again. Two more calls, again coming from chat, but a different number this time. Again, I didn't answer. And the same thing is happening today. I've blocked them on my phone. Yeah, if you're able to block them on the phone, but they keep, they'll just keep coming up with different numbers. But just just don't answer them. But the big one, most of those ones out of chat are the ones they only ring for a few minutes. Answering them doesn't really do anything. It'll normally go straight into a message minder or straight into an answering machine. It's They want you to call back. That's where the danger lies. It's as soon as you call back, you end up in a premium line number and that's the number that's going to end up costing you a fortune. So never call back any of those numbers, please, and keep blocking them. OK, that's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. We'll be back with you tomorrow morning at uh, 10 o'clock. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Enjoy the rest of your Monday and stay tuned. Nick Richards, up next. C103 Anthems. Anthems. Weekday mornings from 9 and evenings at 7. Cork's greatest hits. C103. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.